time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. But Joseph and Chris present to you... Saturday Morning Cartoon! Hello everybody and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom! Hmm. I never know where to go with that. Yeah, you, you like, lately you kind of do the same thing. Or you, the, yeah. ooh, and then you follow it up with something weird like, hmm? <laughs> it's the aftershock. That, it was kind of like you weren't sure. Yeah, that that explosion was a little, it was, it was inquiring whether it was allowed to explode. Yeah, it didn't know. Uh, for anybody first listening, this is a show where we wake up with a Saturday morning sun and plop down on the living room floor with a big bowl of sugary cereal and watch all your favorite cartoons, both old and new. And I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And this morning, we watched Shaolin Showdown. This was suggested by Fredomon via YouTube. Fredomon also suggested Arthur, and we loved that one. And so far, he's been 100% because, spoiler alert, this one was awesome too. Yeah, it really was. I was so surprised. But we'll get there. So the show Shaolin Showdown aired from 2003 to 2006, created by Christy Wee. Produced by Warner Brothers Animation, ran for three seasons, 52 episodes on the Kids WB Network. For a short synopsis, a young Shaolin monk named Omi with a giant yellow head, and I'm reading this verbatim, with a giant <laughs> yellow head, leads a trio of other students to collect powerful items known as Shin Gong Wu while battling the evil Jack Spicer, who is also after the artifacts. Yeah, that does. that is very true. I don't know why they had to mention his giant yellow head. Well, you know, that's kind of the elephant in the room. Is I was wondering the entire time why he is the only character, like drawn with a you know a, a very different colored skin and that he's yellow. And I'm yeah. like, is this? Are, mm, he's very jaundiced. I'll Could say be. That. Yeah. He has really poorly developed kidneys. Is it kidneys <laughs> or liver? Uh, liver. Wait. Okay. Wait. Liver. Yes. Yes. Wait. We're doctors. <laughs> We're doctors. <laughs> He has really uh, poorly developed lidneys. Lidneys, there you go. Yeah, that's the <laughs> so, real organ. A lidney. So, Chris, who are some of the actors who played in this show? There's quite a few, and I the more and more I I saw the cast, I got more and more excited because there's so many good ones. First of all, our um, star of the show, Omi, was voiced by Tara Strong, which we've talked about her on this show before. Famous for voicing Barbara Gordon. And also Harley Quinn in the Arkham game series, Bubbles from Powerpuff Girls, Timmy from Fairly Odd Parents, and so, so much more. And I am totally in love with this lady. Seriously, I, I also, love Tara Strong. Hello Kitty from And Hello, Hello Kitty. Kitty. She was the original voice of Hello Kitty when she was a teenager. The voice of Kimiko was Grey Delisle, also known as Grey Griffin, depending on if you're looking at Wikipedia or her own Twitter. She uses different names. It's very confusing. Um, another voice actress crush of mine. Uh, she was the voice of Azula in Avatar The Last Airbender. Vicky in Fairly Odd Parents. Mandy from The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. And Aya um, in the Green Lantern animated series. And, and she's had so much more. These two women are pretty much A-listers in the voice acting world. They are in everything and they are super talented. Raimundo was voiced by Tom Kenny, 
um, who is the voice also of Cat Dog, the mayor and narrator from Powerpuff Girls, Starscream and Waspinator in the Transformers animated show, but mostly known for the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yes, yes, yes. That's crazy. Um, then we have the voice of Clay, which was Jeff Bennett. And he's had a role in pretty much every cartoon from Cartoon Network and Kids WB from the 90s, mostly known for being the voice of Johnny Bravo. But we've also seen him in the Green Lantern series as Tomar Ray. He also has lots of roles in Transformers Animated, including Ultra Magnus, Prowl, and Soundwave. And he's still doing so many newer shows that I'm sure we'll keep seeing his name pop up. The voice of Dojo was Wayne Knight who has done some voice acting, but he's way more known for his live-action roles, including um, his recurring role on Seinfeld, and for playing Dennis Nedry in Jurassic Park. So uh, er- everybody's uh, uh. seen Didn't this guy. magic word. Yes, exactly, that guy. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Master Fung um, in season one was voiced by Rene Abergenois, who has done a lot of voice acting for Marvel and DC cartoons, mostly known for his live action playing Ordo in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. But you've definitely heard his voice. Um, Joseph, he was the Skull from The Last Unicorn. Oh, cool. And he was the cook from the Little Mermaid movie who sings the song Le Poisson as he's trying to cook Sebastian while like the little crab's trying to hide and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in season two, and um, subsequently three, Master Fung's voiced by Maurice LaMarche, who's another regular we've had on this show a lot. He was in Tiny Toon Adventures, G.I. Joe, Batman the Animated Series. He voiced Egon from The Real Ghostbusters and Extreme Ghostbusters, and he's the voice of Brain from Pinky and the Brain. The character of Jack Spicer was voiced by Danny Cooksey, which I've seen this name before and I didn't put two and two together. Until I saw the other stuff that he's done, he was the voice of Montana Max in Tiny Toon Adventures, which I was like, ah, aha, I recognize this voice. Mm. But to kids that grew up in the 90s, you'd probably recognize his face for playing Bobby Budnick in the Nickelodeon show Salute Your Shorts. He's he's the the redhead mullet kid during the song where he yells, it makes me want to fart. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that that guy. Wu Ya was voiced by Susan Silo. Um, he's had a lot of animation and live action roles, um, cartoons. She usually does side characters. But one that stood out to me was Emma Frost, the White Queen, in the animated movie Pride of the X-Men, and returned to voice the White Queen in the arcade game that followed that. Oh, sweet. And then finally, Chase Young was voiced by Jason Matson. Who, like Susan, he's done a lot of TV and voiceovers, mostly doing side characters. He's mostly known for appearing live action in General Hospital for several years. And he was the voice of Binks from the movie Hocus Pocus. You know, the cat, which Mm -hmm. also features our friend Doug. Yay. (laughs) That was a big cast. And some of those were really interesting. And I didn't even know. The only one that I knew of was Wayne Knight and... um, Tara Strong. I knew about those two, but that's it. The rest, good surprises. Yeah. So for a few tasty marshmallows out of our big bowl of Shaolin cereal, the series creator Christy Wee has stated that despite the growing popularity of anime in the United States, 
she preferred to create a show that was a fusion of Eastern and Western culture. And I think she successfully did so here. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's got a lot of the, like, um, influences from Eastern art, action, philosophy, you know, magic, things like that. Yeah. With a great touch of, you know, Western comedy to it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, especially the character of Omi reminds me of a blend of um, Aang from Avatar The Last Airbender, which was an American show, mm. and then young Goku from the original Dragon Ball. It's, yeah, it's I could see that. Like a perfect yeah. blend of those two. Like this on the surface, this looks like it could be an anime, but it's when you watch it that you're like, okay, it's not quite an anime. So also there was never a serial made of this, but it was advertised on other serials, had a trading card game and a video game come out for the PS2. So there was a lot, there was a lot of other merchandising for this show. I don't think they ever had toys though, somehow. I don't think I've ever seen any. It seems like. It seems like it'd be a perfect candidate for toys. Especially, yeah, because you could have an action figure with a big yellow head. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Oh, that is prime for like a Funko Pop figure. Yeah, I mean, it's, he's, oh, basically, me perfect. he's basically a Funko Pop figure already. Exactly. So he wouldn't have to do much. <laughs> uh, on, uh, on September 2013, a continuation of the series Shaolin Chronicles premiered. And the series was a standalone that was not canon to Showdown, featuring new allies, some new characters and new enemies. But it still kind of followed the same timeline as far as still fighting, you know, Wu Ya, Jack Spicer, Chase Young, things like that. And a third series is still being planned that's going to continue Showdown currently. Weird. So, so is Chronicles then almost like a almost like an alternate universe with the same characters or something? Kind of. A slightly different characters, addition of new characters and removal of some, but it's something that's going to be like a standalone. It's only a single se- uh, only a single season, but they're still talking about bringing out a third series that is a continuation. So basically a season four plus of Showdown. That seems so like a, a really weird way to do it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the bureaucracy went into it, like why they couldn't just directly continue it. It might have been ownership of property or something. That or like I would guess that they felt like a demand for it to come back so they tried to do it as like a reboot thing which was what chronicles would be Mm -hmm. and then people were like no that's not what we wanted we wanted the continuation of the series we already loved so now they're like oh oh i get it okay you didn't want a reboot you wanted a sequel okay we'll do a sequel now (laughs) yeah which is still weird because that's yeah, it's uh, really 2013, weird. seven years after the first series ended. So, but that shows this the show had a really big following, and like I would have had no idea. Yeah, exactly. Like I, this really, and I'll talk about this a little bit more in a second. But it really kind of slipped under my radar as a kid, or I wasn't even a kid when it came out. I guess I was graduating high school, but at that <laughs> point, I completely had no idea about it. Right. The Dragon of Fire is named Kimiko. The Asian character Ko is shaped like a K with a line at the side, means fire, so that's why that makes sense. I actually do know that. Yeah, the name of the dragon of wind is Raimundo. Uh, Rai means thunder in Japanese, and through season two of the show, Raimundo's main attack is called Typhoon Boom, which sounds like thunder. So, And then dragon of earth named clay, and that just kind of speaks for itself. Earth, clay, soil. That makes a lot of sense. Exactly. Chris, what do you remember about this show? Um, I had never watched it, but I did know that it existed. 
I remember seeing advertisements for it, and all I knew was it was like, okay, it's a WB cartoon, which, like, I when I was a kid, I loved WB cartoons when I was young, but you know, as as I got older, I stopped watching that kind of stuff, and and I kind of had the attitude of, you know, I liked all the shows that were on originally. And then they would slowly get replaced by new shows. And I'm like, man, I'm not going to watch this junk. Like, forget that. So I, you know, I kind of wrote a lot of stuff off and this was one of them. I just like the only thing I knew about it was the kid with the big yellow head. It's kind of the same. I do remember seeing commercials about it, but I think that I just kind of pushed it to the side because Jackie Chan Adventures had come out about three years earlier. So I was like, yeah. oh, this is just going to be like a, a cheap knockoff of Jackie Chan Adventures is what it seemed like on the surface. And I like Jackie Chan Adventures or what I had seen of it at the time. So I was like, eh, I just passed on it. I'm I'm kind of sad I did now because it's it's not it's it's similar in the sense that there's the Eastern and Western mixture, but the comedy right. is different. And it's it's really um, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. So let's go ahead and jump into the three episodes we watched for today's show. Very first episode, highest rated episode, and finally, random listener chosen episode. Order may vary depending on how these episodes fall chronologically, but of course, we have to start with the very first episode being The Journey of a Thousand Miles, Season 1, Episode 1, where Omi, a young Shaolin dragon in training, is joined at the Shaolin Temple by three new students, Kimiko, Raimundo, and Clay. What were your first impressions of all the kids? I didn't really know what to expect because I you don't really get a sense of their character much from their introductions. I was happy to see that Clay was Texan. So I was oh, like, yeah, hey. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Representing. You're like, yes. Finally. Um, what did you think about Omi when you first were introduced to his character? Omi, he, he reminded me of a few other goofy characters. Like like you were seeing, especially Aang from uh, Avatar. Yeah. But... I, I don't know. I didn't know what to think aside from his color being drastically different from everyone else's. <laughs> right. Racist. What uh what about you? What'd you think? Um so yeah, like the the way I described Omi, I mean is how I felt right off the bat. Immediately, I did not like most of the the other kids. I and, and you know what? I never grew to really like Raymundo. Even though, like, we've only watched three episodes, but I never ended up liking his character. Um, Kimiko, the first few scenes, I was like, wow, she's going to be so obnoxious. Because she was in the first few scenes because she was just constantly texting and talking on the phone to her friend. Which, they did a few gags with it, which was kind of funny because, like, Raimundo, like, de-pantsed Omi at the one point. And Kimiko is just like telling her friend, like basically narrating what's happening yeah. and laughing about it. But I was like, oh, that's going to get old so quick. So I'm really glad that they didn't carry that forward. Well, she, yeah, she's an interesting character in that she kind of changes every few episodes. Like she's um, kind of atypical to usual characters who keep the same clothes and the same hairstyle and everything right. throughout the series. Like she had a different one. Almost every episode we watched, she looked a little bit different. Yeah. Like, um, I didn't even realize that she wasn't blonde yeah, based on she, the first episode. She was wearing a wig or something. Yeah. And because it was later that episode that um, when they get in their robes and stuff and they don't have all of their, you know, home accessories and stuff that she's got black hair. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. Her real personality came out because she starts out being super superficial. 
And later, like, you know, 10, 15 minutes later into the episode, Raimundo's still being a bully. That's what he basically is kind of like a alpha dog bully kind of guy. And um, Kimiko sticks up for Omi a couple times against him, you know, just says, don't mess with the monk kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which she carries that forward. But that I was surprised there. And I really like that because it made me think differently. It like it was one of those things that makes me challenge how I perceive things in the real world. Like, don't judge a book by ex- by its cover, because the first like few seconds of her talking, I was like, I don't like her. And, you know, 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh, no, she's actually, you know, deeper than that. So kudos for or to the writers for pulling that off. Yeah, that's something that can really be said about this show is the character development's kind of top notch. Yeah. It's, um, for what seems like it would just be a really straightforward kind of actiony, fun, laughy show, they they have a lot of depth to them. You know, they're they're not flawless like some action oh, characters not. are. They they have they're flawed individuals, and that helps to flesh out their characters and makes them all diverse and interesting. I'd say Clay is the only one that I don't have a good read on because he doesn't seem to have a very wide range of emotion. He's very quiet. And when he does talk, it's just kind of like not dopey, but he speaks very simply and he's just kind of really chill about everything. Like, like, oh, relax, partner kind of thing. And just kind of doing his thing, you know, he's kind of like a big softy, like a big teddy bear. So, but you know, this is coming from just watching three episodes. So he might have had some sort of story arc that I haven't seen yet. That's but, true. Yeah. So I'm not saying that he's underdeveloped. I'm just saying, like, in in what we watched, I don't have a good feeling for what his kind of character is, aside from, like you said, just kind of a kind of a teddy bear, kind of a he's just kind of there, and you you don't really get a feel for if he leans a certain way as far as like how he feels about things. Yeah, it's basically if you had to describe him, it'd be like cowboy, uh, tech girl, and cool kid, and that's that's kind of those three characters. Yeah, in a nutshell, we also get to see uh, Dojo, the the uh, small dragon, who's very much like Mushu from Mulan, if you've ever seen that movie. But he's just kind of the the temple guardian dragon, I guess. His full name's Dojo Kamojo Cho. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. Yeah, that is funny. Try to say that really fast. Yeah, no way. I'm not going to try. Was it Dojo uh-huh. Komojo Cho? Cho? No. Cho. Yeah, Dojo Komojo Cho. Dojo Komojo Cho. Nice. <laughs> I like it. They get kind of thrown into the mix pretty quick. Omi is supposed to assist in training them, training these other students. He is, as as it states in the description, a, a Shaolin dragon to be. And a dragon is sort of kind of the... the high ranks of Shaolin monks. Right. And that is what he's striving for. And these are students, I guess, who have, have just come in to, to become dragons, but need to be trained by Omi and, um, and the master. At least Omi thinks so. Yeah. That's what Omi is. That's the way it's introduced to him. Yeah. That's what he believes is what's going on, that he's supposed to be training them. There's a lot of really good moments, especially, because things happen to Omi from these others, such as, um, well, Raimundo, uh, like, depances him at one time, you know, and gets laughs out of everybody. There's another time where um, Kimiko is playing a video game, and Omi doesn't understand it and tries to play it. 
and he gets very attached to the video game character really quickly, but accidentally, <laughs> oh, yeah. accidentally turns the game off and he like panics because he's a, he's worried about his, his new friend inside the game. And she's like, no, you just hit the off switch. My little friend has been taken by the forces of evil. Then he gets some advice from Clay because Clay's a big guy and it's something like, you know, it's not how big you are. It's like how you throw your weight around or something like that. Yeah, it's how, how you use your weight or something. Yeah. yeah. And, and what's cool is about these, these are all things that seem unconsequential, but all three of those things come back in a big way later in the episode. Yeah, which is really good. It's not just useless information. It's a foreshadowing. And yeah, yeah, they definitely utilize it well. We get to see the, at least at this point, the primary villain who comes in, which is Jack Spicer. I don't know, a spoiled uh, supervillain yeah. <laughs> kid. Yeah, exactly. He gets a puzzle box from his father in Hong Kong and he opens it kind of like a in a Hellraiser-like fashion. And what comes out is Wuya, a spirit woman. Basically, it's kind of like a it's a mask that's in the box. And within that mask, I, I guess, is held the spirit of Wuya, who is... The enemy to the Shaolin Temple. Another monk, I guess centuries ago, was able to seal her in that box um, because she was evil and she posed a, a danger to the entire world. So only her spirit is released. Like you said, it's a mask with um, almost like ghostly purple flowing hair coming out of it. Yeah. Um, that she just floats around. She has no corporeal form. She's giving Jack Spicer advice, like kind of getting him to do her bidding, but he's really bad at it. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he's a terrible villain, um, just a bad henchman. I mean, he's funny, though. Like there yeah. are good comedy moments to him. Yeah. Good Everybody in the show is funny. And in, a, in some way, yeah. And the, what I like is that nobody in this show, except for Master Fung, are very bright. <laughs> everyone else is just not all there for one reason or another yeah it's kind of oblivious to certain things that are going on i take that back kimiko is is pretty intelligent but she makes a lot of mistakes well she's she's tech savvy but she's also hot-headed i mean since her yeah. sign is fire she's yeah she's quick to react to things and all of the all of the kids they kind of let their ego get in the way a tiny bit. You know, like they think they can handle more than they really can. And that causes them to make mistakes quite often. And what their goal is in this episode and really throughout the season is to chase after these uh, Shingong Wu artifacts like like we had talked about. In this one, we've got the Mantis Flip coin, which is just a coin that let, lets you jump really high. And that's that's the thing, I guess, to describe them a little bit, it's it, when you hold on to these artifacts, they all have magical properties of some sort that you can utilize, right. but only when you are holding on to the artifact. And the villains, and they're, they've all been sealed away in various places around the world. There's hundreds of them, apparently. And the villain's goal, of course, is to get them to obtain uh, just just to to rule the earth and obtain more power. And the hero's primary goal is to get them in order to keep the villain from getting them and to utilize them to assist in stopping um, in stopping the villains. Right. So basically, if the villains like the more the villains get their hands on it, the more powerful these villains become. 
So both sides are just hardcore after as many of the Shingong Wu as, as they can get. The the name of the show really comes into play and it helped me kind of understand why it was called this. When more than one person touches one of the Shingong Wu artifacts at the same time, they have to start what is called a Shaolin showdown where they go, they're kind of put into a bubble where they have to go through these competitions in order to basically place bets on who's going to end up with this artifact as well as a single other artifact offering in order to uh, place their bet. Right. So we get to see that in this episode where whoever reaches the last stone first gets both of them. Omi is handicapped because he has this armor on called a two-ton tunic. Oh, yeah. What it does is it, it's literally a tunic that is looks incredibly heavy, but he's invulnerable, but he's also super heavy. Right. <laughs> Which is funny because the trial that comes up that he has to do against Jack is jumping from these like large pillars, you know, yeah. in, in basically a race. And he can barely even stand up with that heavy armor <laughs> on because he's yeah. very tiny, it's, except for his really, giant head. Right. It's It's Jack. It jacks uh, Spicer's hubris that kind of keeps him from winning this anyway because right. he's just kind of taking his time. It's almost a turtle and hare, turtle in the hare or tortoise in the hare type race. Yeah, it's exactly it what it really is. Really seems like um, there's no way Omi could win. Yeah, Jack gets way too cocky and um, you know tries to antagonize and, and poke fun at Omi, and Omi ends up basically getting the upper hand and, and winning. So the the person we haven't talked about much is Master Fung, who is um, the head of the temple, who's training everybody. He's not quiet, but it's like when whenever he talks, he he only speaks with purpose. You know, like his anytime he speaks with the students, they're learning something. You know, like yeah, it, he's it's very Master Splinter esque. Yeah, he's moving the plot along, or he's teaching them a lesson and stuff, and he kind of reveals. At the end of this episode, um, because Omi was like, oh, yeah, like I was able to teach them all these things. And Master Fung's like, you're not here to teach them. They're here to teach you. And and that's where all the things that come in, because all three of those things I mentioned earlier that happened to Omi from each of the three kids are things that he remembers during the trial, during the showdown and uses to win. Like, like one of the last things he does to win is like depancing Jack Spicer and <laughs> yeah. like pulls his pants down and, and then gets past him and stuff. What's interesting about that and what I really liked about the episode as a whole is that, yes, they are there to teach him, but in, in kind of an abstract way where he was born and raised kind of in this temple and as a monk. So from birth, he's been doing this and he's been really sheltered from the outside world, whereas the opposite is true for these kids who right. all have... Oh, uh, I mean, they come from diverse backgrounds. One is Japanese, one is Brazilian, and one is American. And so there's different culture that they're getting, getting to share with Omi. In, I mean, in this case, it's, it's a kind of comical stuff. Right. But also throughout the course of the series, I'm sure there's much more that they can teach him about their culture and help diversify his knowledge, which I thought was a really smart way to approach that. Yeah, that's the part of him that reminds me of like young Goku is that Omi's very naive about the rest of the world. Right. You know, yeah. like how Goku didn't realize there were different genders, you know, things mm-hmm. like that, which he finds out a really creepy way, and I won't get into it. 
<laughs> until we we end up watching that on the show one of these days but <laughs> right which will happen one it'll, day. it'll happen it was it was a very cool first episode because it totally took my preconceived ideas of this cartoon and turned it completely around yeah and that's immediately starting out first episode yeah, yeah. all your perceptions are just kind of flipped and you you're it, it helps you it really preps you and gets you excited to watch the rest of it. I know I was. Yeah, it's funny and it's very intelligently written. Right. And and, and, that, and not on the surface. Like, you don't go in thinking, yeah, this is really smart. It's like, at the end, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're like, even, even I learned something. Yeah, you're but, like, oh, man, this is way deeper than you think. So Yeah, exactly. So that jumps us over to the second episode we watched for today's show, Enter the Dragon, Season 2, Episode 7, which was chosen by Fredomon. Once every 1,500 years, Dojo must be locked up for 24 hours. If he gets out, he will travel the globe devouring every Shingong Wu he can find, along with everything else in his path. That is very true. My gosh. Yeah. Dude, like, Dojo is kind of scary in this episode. Yeah. Like, he's this really is, scary. Yes. He's so... What, what's The scariest part is, yeah, I mean... The, on the offset, you get that description. It's like, oh man, like that's scary enough. But then he's so deceptive, like he yeah. and and Omi's so naive that it's like this is not this is gonna go bad. This is gonna go poorly. Yeah, you know right away. The episode starts out with him building a little, almost like a little doghouse looking thing for himself. But yeah, you know, a, with, a little a pin. Yeah. yeah, with like a a locked door. And things because he knows what's going to happen. It's very much like a wolf, like a werewolf who yeah. they, they see the full moon. They're trying to you know imprison themselves so they, so don't, they hurt don't hurt anyone. Someone. Yeah. So he's basically doing that. And I love when one of the kids asks Master Fung, you know, like what happened last time Dojo got out? Because he does say Dojo got out at one time. So they're asking, oh, what happened? And he's like, Atlantis. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh, man. Like, that was a great joke, and, like, also at the same time, they're telling you just how bad of a situation it could be. Like, oh, yeah. he destroyed an entire civilization, and the, the city's completely lost to history. Yeah, and w- and we get kind of a small preview of what he is capable of once oh he gosh, inevitably yeah. does escape, since... I mean, he he tries a lot of different things and Omi isn't falling for them. But then he pulls like one of the most basic tricks in the book where right. he kind of hides on the top of the pin and asks Omi to get him something. He looks in, sees nothing. So he, of course, opens the door as I don't know. I, I wouldn't. And this I've seen no enough way. movies and shows to know that that's a bad idea. But he opens the door. He's like, where could he have gone? And then gets uh, locked in the pin himself and oh. And Dojo escapes. Yeah, uh, crap hits the fan Um, at that point. So the other three kids were sent by Master Fung to go look for um, a close-by Shingong Wu that showed up. Because they have like a little radar thing that um, Kimiko hangs on to that tells them where they're located. So Omi was ready to go, but instead Master Fung put him in charge of watching Dojo. And anyway, so the other three take their um, Shingong Wu of their own to go collect this one in case Jack Spicer shows up. They've got, you know, they each have an artifact to fight him. But um, the artifact that um, Jack Spicer had with him was like a magnet kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it basically 
not only grabbed the one he was after, but also took all of theirs. So they went after look trying to recover one and end up losing all four yeah (laughs) in their possession so they return a failure to find omi locked in the cage also a failure so everybody screwed up which was hilarious so uh dojo has grown an additional head at this point i mean i guess and he's huge and oh yeah he's turned into his giant form this is something that he's capable of doing even when he's good is growing larger and he he acts as a transport for them much in the same way that um that i can't remember the giant dog's name in never ending story but he's basically a, a large transport for them and right. instead they have to use a, a big ship called the silver manta ray or something yeah and to to get around this episode one of my favorite parts of this episode was when they all realized dojo's out master fung is like oh this is not good and one of them's like well how bad is it really and then there's a giant mushroom cloud explosion in the background <laughs> and the screen turns or the uh, like um, sky turns like green and just <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. oh, man. Yeah, that was a good that's a good gag. I that mean, was a terrifying gag, but a good one. Yeah. Um, slowly but surely he starts to. OK, even um, Wuya, the, the evil witch is terrified. She's terrified of him. Like everyone knows like this is bad. Like this is really bad. What's just happened? Um, she's freaking out, and then he starts eating people. Like, yeah. and I didn't. And I mean, of course, it's a cartoon; they're not going to be yeah. dead. It threw me off, though. It, yeah, me too. Because I was like, "What is this? Like a dream or something?" Like, did he just eat them? And then not only that, but he eats like all the kids, and yeah. then all, and Master Fong, and then all that's left is Omi. And I'm like, okay, well, somehow Omi's going to do this, and then he gets eaten too. And I'm like, <laughs> Everyone got eaten. Yeah. <laughs> um. One thing that I really like that happened before this was it just kind of reiterates how bad Jack Spicer is at being a bad guy, which is he's <laughs> like working on this like rocket ship, I guess like a jet, but it's shaped weird, like almost like a blimp or almost like the Futurama space shuttle, like that yeah. weird shape. And <laughs> Wuya's like kind of talking about this Shingong Wu that's nearby. She's like, oh, this is great. We can get it. Like even you can't screw this up. As he manages to do something inside the ship, it falls over on its side and crashes, shoots a missile, and blows the roof off of their hideout. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, and this happens in a matter of, like, seconds, just all of this stuff. I thought it was kind of clever the way that Omi was able to escape Dojo, where the Shingangwu changing chopsticks, which allows him to turn himself, like, much smaller, like, Not not microscopic, but very small to the point where he is able to be he's able to be sweated out. Like, don't they start a fire inside of Dojo or something? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, while they're inside Dojo, like, so, you know, they're in his stomach and stuff. And it's just constant fart noises, like never ending <laughs> farts the entire time they're inside there, which is hilarious. Since they they lit the fire in there and are starting to get him sweating, Omi gets into one of Dojo's pores and is sweated out of his body where he uh, challenges Dojo to a Shaolin showdown and it's who captures who first. So they're running through this canyon and I really like the way that this played out where he he uses two different artifacts, the, um, the reversing mirror and the Shroud of Shadows. 
And what he ends up doing is, well, he's using the reversing mirror to kind of deflect um, Dojo's blast. And he is able to put the Shroud of Shadows, like makes himself disappear at first. And then we don't, you know, unknown to us, Dojo's there about to, you know, make the finishing blow or like swoop down on him. And he reveals that that pin, the cell that Dojo had made previously was also hidden by the Shroud of Shadows and he ends up falling right back into it and he traps him. I didn't even suspect that's what was happening. So that's what's really good about it is it caught me by surprise. Yeah, I had no idea where it was going. I'm like, there's how is he going to trap him? And then you're like, ah, I see. I think I think that's really good storytelling there is it's it gives you you know enough about the show to where you're like, okay. I understand, you know, the premise of what's happening, but I, I don't know how he's going to get out of this one. And right. it's 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 not predictable. And that's a really strong thing to say about a cartoon yeah. that can appeal to both kids and adults. And what's really cool, too, is like, at least with the pin and with the show in general, they give you clues as to how things are going to unfold. But they're not obvious. Like the everything you need to know what's going to happen is there. You know, you've got different artifacts, you have other plot elements in place, but you don't connect the dots until they reveal it to you. And then you're like, oh, like the end of every episode is kind of like an epiphany. Yeah, it's very surprising. And those elements, I mean, those um, since there's so many of these Shingong Wu, it could easily become overwhelming, but they use them very tactically and in a clever way. And they're all useful to some extent and that's really cool and there's specific ones that they use way more often than others which makes sense because if they do certain things like the changing chopsticks is one that they it seems like they use quite a bit and Mm -hmm. it changes your size so it makes sense that that would be one to to have handy you know to get in yeah, and out that, of tight spaces. so Right. That one's utilized more than some of the others, but right. I think it comes in play in the next episode, too. It does. Good oh. segue. The next episode we watched, last episode we watched for today's show is Saving Omi, season two, episode 26, which was the highest rated, and understandably so. I really like this episode. Let I'll me, tell you one in a second. Okay. I was going to just say, let me set the stage real quick, because I watched the episode before this. Okay. Because this was a two-parter. So I watched uh-huh. the episode before so that I knew what was going on. There's this other villainish guy named Chase Young, who's basically immortal and leans towards this evil magic called the Halin. And he wants to rule the world, but he sees that Omi, given enough time, would become more powerful than him and would be able to stop him. So he figures the only way to be able to actually conquer the world the way he wants is to find a way to swing Omi to his side. Right. So, some things happen. Master Feng has been kidnapped into this place called the Ying Yang world. Basically, there there's two yo-yos that are the Shingong Wu to access the Ying Yang world. There's the Yang Yo-Yo and the Ying Yo-Yo. Omi gets a hold of one, gets the Ying Yang, gets to the Ying Yang world, grabs Master Feng and comes back. No one else like thought he should be going there alone, and he wasn't getting a lot of support from the other three. But Chase was kind of like, "You can do this, you know. Like I'll help you," and giving him support. So he comes back, and he's like, "You guys." He felt betrayed. He's like, "You guys kind of turned on me. I don't need you," kind of thing. 
he basically accepts the Halen side and joins Chase. Well, he also comes back with the yin, just the yin yo-yo. Yeah, which yeah, just the yin. Just the dark side of a person or the, the, the evil side kind of. And so, and the same happens. And yeah, they with, didn't know that. Yeah. Right. They didn't know that at the time. And Master Fung comes out as well, but he puts himself into a, a meditative state, yeah. a trance, so that his evil side is unable to act because both sides of him are in this trance, which I thought was really a really clever thing to do. It's something it a master like that would do. So yeah, exactly. Like the good side is called their, their chi. And, and when you get into the yin yang world or whatever, I guess if, if you don't leave with both artifacts, you have to have both yo-yos to leave fully intact. If you don't do that, then your chi gets stored in like these bottles. Mm-hmm. So their good sides are trapped there and their bad sides came back. Master Fung is, um, his is, you know, tucked away. But Omi basically comes back evil and joins yeah. and joins Chase and accepts the Halen side and becomes super powerful and super scary and yeah. and plunges the world into a thousand years of darkness. Of course, <laughs> which is kind of the the theme of every episode. Right. That's that's what could happen. And that was all the episode before this one. So that's not even the episode we watched. This is. Well, uh, that was the predecessor. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of kind of leading up to it. Yeah. And then something funny about the meditative state of Master Fung is that he is being taken care of, attended to by Dojo throughout the episode. And that's that's almost like a comic relief of a really, <laughs> yeah. it, what would otherwise be a pretty dark episode. He's feeding it. He puts a wig on him. He's he, constantly he dropping him. him, like knocking him <laughs> yeah. over down the yeah, stairs. He's not, taking, he's not taking great care of him, but he's trying. He, he <laughs> bathes him. He tries to help shave him because Master Fung <laughs> yeah. has a mustache and goatee, but Dojo accidentally shaves the goatee part off. And so he just has the mustache. <laughs> so then like, he's like trying to make up for it and puts like a wig on his head and <laughs> all kinds of yeah. stuff. It, it's really funny. And then we've got Dark Omi, who is very frightening. I mean, he's he's a, he's a small child, but he's also so full of energy. And oh my gosh, he he wants to fight constantly. I mean, he's he says it, like if he didn't have to sleep, he'd fight seven twenty four. Yeah, he's got like violent ADHD, basically. Yeah. yeah, and he in in his you know active state, he. He swears his loyalty to Chase Young just so he can fight. Jack Spicer's here and he's begging to get back into the evil clan again because he's been kicked out by, you know, Chase Young and Wuya. This is where we get introduced to the the Cyclops. Oh, Cyclops, yeah. Is is hilarious. And he's like, all right, you can get back in, but first you have to change the Cyclops. He soiled himself again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jack had had assembled basically a team of bad guys he had henchmen but he ended up getting kicked out of his own group and his henchmen and wuya joined chase so chase is now the big bad instead of jack and jack is now an underling and like the lowest of the low so chase also which is really awesome has all these like tigers and like and some lions and other cats yeah, and stuff like that that turn into warriors. Cats. Right. Oh, man, they're so cool. Yeah, that was cool. And then Chase himself can turn into some sort of like... It's like a lizard reptile, thing? Like a dragon type thing. Yeah, it's almost like a Komodo dragon type, like anthropomorphic yeah. Komodo dragon. 
his group turns into kind of like like actual like jungle cats. Right. With evil Omi finally confronting everybody, he's ready to fight, you know, tells him to to bring it off because he doesn't understand expressions really. That's something that's yeah. recurring throughout the the episodes. Like, instead of bring it on, he just says bring it off. And uh <laughs> you know, everybody's losing to him because he's so full of power and energy. And like, he looks he, scary as heck. Like he's got this big grin on his face the entire time the other three dragons you know the kids go to stop him and he is like pounding the crap out of them and just smiling like maniacally as he does it and we get to see um this other witch who's kind of summoned in and i don't know her name completely i can't remember what they had said but the the serpent's tail kind of summons her in and she's left underpowered because she's oh, not trusted. That was Wu Ya. Oh, that was Wu Ya. Yeah. So okay. So Jack or so Chase got this artifact to restore Wu Ya to her oh, mortal form. Okay. But she didn't get all of her powers. Instead, Chase absorbed her powers because he said she couldn't be trusted. Right. And she, I think she says like, okay, I would have done the same. Yeah. So, so like she, she was understands. she was expecting to come back all powerful but instead she just came back basically as a mortal. So now she basically she has to do his bidding because he's more powerful. So the the Shaolin find out about the Yang yo-yo like they get the entire story as we described it where that's needed in order to go get the in order to go back into the yin yang world and retrieve the chi to restore Omi and Master Feng. And what's one of my favorite parts about this episode is when they use the in in trying to pursue this, they are also confronted by the Cyclops and some of the other enemies, the jungle cat uh, warriors. And they use this uh, Shin Gong Wu called the sweet baby among us. Oh, yes. That made me laugh so much because what it is, it's they don't even know what it is at first. They're just like, well, it's kind of all we got, so we have to use it. It's like and a little golden baby statue. It's, yeah, it's a little golden baby statue. Almost looks like a little, a little Buddha statue. And they use it, and it this giant gold baby comes out, like crying, and then it starts <laughs> it starts throwing diapers at the enemies and not throw, them it in like diapers. shoots diapers. Oh yeah, yeah, from its it diaper out of its, out of its diaper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, and it, it traps the enemies in those diapers. And then it, Cyclops tries to confront it, but it's like way taller than he is. And it smacks him away and then starts beating his chest like King Kong. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, so good. Man. That part was hilarious. It really was. It, it, a lot of this episode was very serious, but it was like moments like that just completely caught you off guard. And they were so funny. Yeah, it, it's good levity for a really dark episode. And, and speaking of it being a dark episode... So they managed to get Master Feng and and um, Omi's Chi back from the Ying Ying world. They bring it back, but they have to, you know, apply the Chi back to Omi. And Omi is basically, you know, almost like a killing machine at this point. So Raimundo and Clay are going to try to distract him all. Kimiko uses the changing chopsticks to shrink herself down and go inside, basically into his brain and release the chi inside of him. And and Jack Spicer goes in too. They think to try to stop Kimiko, but something else happens. But the point I want to get to is that 
So Omi is fighting against Clay and Raimundo. It's kind of intense in this one part because he is like, he captures Raimundo and is like beating on him so bad that Raimundo starts to cry. I mean, and it's not like a, you know, laughing, you know, cowardly cry kind of thing. It is like, he's in, he's crying because he's in pain. And yeah, he, and it makes he, Omi pause for a split second. Right. He is has been pushed to the limit, Raimundo has. And he uh, basically, if it hadn't got to the point that it got to, Omi would have killed him. Like, oh, that absolutely. Was he was going to kill him for sure. So like that, that was a really powerful scene in a cartoon that is typically really funny and lighthearted. Like, I've talked about this before, that those are my favorite cartoons, the ones that are funny, but they still have these very, very, like, they can have these serious moments that really can give you goosebumps still, and that was definitely one of them. Like, it gave it a lot of weight, you know? It it made it emotional and raw. Since earlier, Omi, when he was, you know, when he was possessed, or not possessed, but when his evil side was acting on its own... Since it swore its loyalty to Chase, even once he gets his chi back, you know, Chase is like, you know, as an honorable monk, you swore your loyalty to me. So you have to honor that. And closing out the episode, he's like, well, I don't have a choice. I, I have to go back. You know, I have to I'm I'm work. I swore my loyalty to Chase. And so that's where I have to be. And then it's another to be continued. And that's the end of the, the, season. the season. And and, it, yeah. and he turns Omi into a cat. Oh, yeah. He turns him into a different like a cat. little yep. yellow house cat. <laughs> One of his other cat warriors. Right. Right. So Omi, uh, even with all of his wits back, stays with Chase, which is crazy. And that was such a that was powerful, too, because it's like, oh, man, like that makes sense because he swore loyalty to him. Right. And that's something they honor above all else is, is well, that's their word. Honor. Yeah, exactly. Their word. One other thing that happened that was funny, but also cool, and it it made me want to kind of see what happens in season three, which was when Kimiko was in his head trying to release the chi, mm-hmm. you know, Jack Spicer shows up, he's in there too, and you think he's going to try to stop her. Instead, he does like everything he can to help her, and what we find out is because he went with them into the yin-yang world. But he had the reversing mirror with him. So when he came back into this world, his evil side got left behind. Because right. he was he was supposed to be all evil when he went in. He didn't have good. So when he came back, because he had the reversing mirror, he became back all good and no evil. So now he's one of the good guys. Yeah, which is an interesting usage of those Shingong Wu, once yeah. again, like we were talking about. Like they, they set it up to where it looks like he's going to kind of join the group, which is kind of cool. Yeah, hopefully so. so. I mean, you never know. I'm sure something will it happen could where change he, him he'll back turn back. Easily. Like, I, I feel like if they, they, you know, dethrone Chase, then that leaves an opening for Jack to come back. Right. He'll go back to his but, same ways. But he would have to become evil again, so. Yeah. Well, Chris, I think it's about time we utilize our own Shingong Wu, the serial spoon of time, to travel back to the past and find out what our inner kids thought of Shaolin Showdown. This cartoon was way cooler than I thought it would be. It was really funny, and there's all this cool fighting monk stuff, and evil magic, and a dragon that can be big or small, or have two heads and eat people. It's so cool! 
I gave it five bowls of Thousand Years of Darkness cereal out of five. And now I will begin my training as the Dragon of Heart. That's an element, right? Captain Planet said it was. Just kidding. I'd rather be the Dragon of Fart. <laughs> Presenting to the audience an excellent blend of Western comedy and Eastern culture, I found myself laughing at the gags almost as much as I was intrigued by the lore. Not only that, but this show's memorable characters with relatably flawed personalities helped bring these over-the-top adventures a little more down-to-earth. Learning that this was continued on with another series and has a potential upcoming third series, I'm definitely interested in seeing what else this show has to offer. I'd give Shaolin Showdown five big bowls of Sweet Baby Among Us cereal out of five, and I highly recommend you give this one a shot. Gong Yi Tanpai! I love the baby. That's so funny. If I had any of those artifacts, that would probably be the one I chose. I'd regret it later because I'd get tired of it, but... <laughs> so do you have any final thoughts about Shaolin Showdown? I just think that this show is something that even if you don't think you'll like it because it might seem... The, the animation style doesn't make it seem like it's going to be a very serious show, but it has some serious elements to it. But it's also blended so well with the comedy that... You get a great balance of both. It's like, it's not super serious, but it's also not super comedic all the time. It's a good show for both adults and children alike and something I think, I think that they could definitely enjoy together. So I'm probably going to watch the rest of this one. I'm very surprised still by how, how much I liked it and how good it was. And I think there's a lot of depth to it that doesn't, it doesn't seem like it would have on the surface. Yeah, I completely agree. This was way more than I expected it to be. It had all the elements of what I enjoy in these kind of cartoons. There is some comedy. There's a lot of depth and history to the world. Like you said, there's a lot of lore. I mean, Joseph, as you know, that that's usually my thing. That's what sucks me in. Um, and, you know, it mixes with some very serious moments, even though it's really funny most of the time. And there's... A lot of high stakes situations, you know, peppered among a sea of jokes. And, um, you know, I, I can't say 100% for sure that I'm going to go back and watch it, but I'm curious enough to definitely at least get into season three. I feel like I would probably end up watching it at some point, but I have to at least find out what happens in this story, whether it's reading about it or watching it. So, yeah, it's I'm very intrigued. And I'm excited for us to do the follow-up shows as well. Yeah, that's something I was going to say is even if I don't end up watching the rest of this first series, once the third series comes out, much in the same way Voltron has, I'll keep up with that one. So thanks, Fredemon, for bringing us this. I mean, any you've got free reign to choose whatever from now on because you've been 100%. I, I don't know. I think we might have rated Arthur fives also. I can't remember. Yeah, I think but. we rated Arthur pretty high. If it wasn't five, it was close to it yeah it was still a very positive score yeah. so you know your your ace is in my book fredomon aces well listeners it looks like our milk supply has now run dry so it's time for us to say goodbye next week we'll be watching life with louie submitted via facebook by jason once again i'm joseph and i'm chris and we'll see you next saturday presented by nerd sloth a place for lazy nerds if you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media.
If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.